0: Chief O'Brien promised Doctor Bashir he wouldn't go kayaking again until he gave his shoulder enough time to heal. Humans are better suited to handle incarceration than Klingons, obviously. And what the heck is Section Thirty-One? Hello, everybody, and mm. welcome to the Seventh Rule with Sirach Lofton. Hello, hello. My name is Ryan T. Husk, and that was my third try at that intro. <laughs> <laughs> Today he we are got going- it i nailed
1: it right you nailed it oh boy oh you boy got
0: it. uh today we're doing a review of deep space nine season six episode 18 entitled inquisition written by boy we talk about these guys a lot bradley thompson and david weddell directed mm-hmm. by did you catch who it's directed by
1: i did not michael q dorn wow did you is is that really his middle name? Q mm-hmm. should be oh. Probably not. <laughs> I was gonna say Quincy. <laughs> for Quincy. I was like, I never heard that before. You just that's breaking news. <laughs> uh, and this
0: this was April 8th, 1998. That's a special day. I think that's when the world found out that uh, Kurt Cobain uh, passed away. April eighth, I think that was nineteen ninety-four, though. But anyway, day in infamy. How are you today? I'm doing good. I'm doing really good. Yeah. How about you? Awesome. Actually, I, th- I think he died on the 6th or 7th, but that's when we found out it was the 8th. I remember because it was my girlfriend at the time's birthday, and that was like one of our favorite bands, and I that was her birthday present was me telling her, oh, I just heard that <laughs> Kurt Cobain died, and that sucked. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. But this episode did not suck, and that is our segue of the day.
1: Yes, this episode did not suck. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a good one. Um, yeah, a little celebration for the Rams who won the championship in the NFL. A little shout out to them just mm. to put that in the time capsule. Um, so I'm rocking my blue and yellow and yeah, a little subliminals. But I yeah, this episode.
0: I love the shirt, Siroc. Uh, everybody that's just listening, it lo- it's an Abyssinian kiosk Uh, creation check it out in our description box below abyssinian kiosk.com that is sirak's sister that makes the coolest freaking stuff and it looks like almost like an x-men wolverine slash ethiopian design it's definitely my favorite of his shirts and of her creations he's also wearing a blue hat that i don't much care for uh and he also mentioned the ramps i don't much care for but i happen to be wearing red for the 49ers so that's kind of sad all right but a <laughs> um, little reminder of that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, let's go ahead and move on past those. Yeah. Was, I didn't expect that this would be the, cause you know, I, I knew that section 31 is an idea that came from DS9. I wasn't expecting it in this episode. Um, would have been nice to have been called section 31. That would have given me a little. <laughs> <clue>. <laughs> yeah. But this way, but this was, I believe
0: this was the first time we are introduced to section 31. So that's Mm -hmm. why it was such a a revelatory episode is because this is where we find out, you know, there's this weird thing where we're like, what's going on? You know, we've seen this kind of trope before. There was a Next Generation episode. It kind of reminds me of everybody at home remembers it. It's when Riker thinks he's going crazy and there's this guy that's doing brain experiments on him. It's kind of like this. Um, but then it takes a twist and we're introduced to this new group, this new, uh, faction. Um, but yeah, I believe this is the first episode we're introduced to that. So that's why they wanted to keep it a secret
1: spoiler. Yes. And I thought it was, um, like I said, like I was along for the ride, you know, the, the whole title of inquisition kind of made me think, oh, is this going to be. A period episode or is this about you know off with their heads type of things <laughs> what, what's what's going to happen in this and um so i kind of wasn't i didn't really know what to expect watching it um i did kind of have that that uh-oh feeling when they say internal affairs you're always good you know it's like when you hear irs you're like uh you here know. we go yep yeah <laughs> <laughs> You're like, okay, this is serious, obviously, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of the, the thing that set the tone for me where, okay, there's an investigation on board the station. You know, somebody with specific authority to investigate is, is you know, um, parsing out the, the crew and trying to find uh, the weak link. Um, kind of how, you know, police do when they come to the scene of a crime they kind of separate everybody and get everyone's story right away um so i thought okay this is going to be a good episode uh well here's
0: what i thought when i saw inquisition and i think a lot of people are with me on this i thought of the inquisition here we go the inquisition <laughs> what a show we know you're wishing uh, no. you see
1: a lot of people thought of that i, don't know what I <laughs>
0: there's i bet you at least 20 percent 20 percent of our live chat knows exactly what that is that is mel brooks history of the world part one isn't there a history of the world part two actually finally coming out like 30 years later whatever it's gonna be anyway um but i i don't know It, it to me It was another one of these episodes where, you know, it, 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 it changes tone a lot. Like at first it feels like it's going to be one of those court proceeding episodes, right? We've seen a couple of those. This is like with the, the Klingon lawyer back in the day, right. Where he was accusing Worf of whatever. And then we have another one where, uh, Odo is O'Brien's counsel on some planet or whatever. And Cardassia right. maybe. So I was like, I remember thinking like, oh boy is this going to be another one of these court proceeding episodes. But then it turns into one of those, oh my god I'm going crazy and somebody's messing with my mind. It's all a hologram which happens all the time in Star Trek with you know different plot points. But that's kind of the main theme. And then it takes a third turn into introducing this new thing, and I, when I was watching it this time, I remember thinking, "When when does Siroc start thinking the different things? Like, when do you start thinking like, okay, this isn't real, or what's going on, or are you just like like you said, just in for the ride, just kind of watching it, and as it comes, you're just it, it's just taking you there and there, or are you trying to were you trying to guess what's happening?
2: Um,
1: uh, yeah, I was sold on the premise of, you know, um, because they did a great job of alluding to episode that we had seen prior where we saw that Bash- Bashir was in that camp Yeah. with, um, who was it? Um, w- which Klingon was it? It was Martok, Martok. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So we saw him in Martok We they were replaced by, um, the changelings um on the station so we also did see a little bit of that so we they dug back into that story which is great because it already has a foundation to it it already something that we've you know we've we've worked that out it's already part of the canon it's like we know that this is the the things that that actually happened we know that he existed we know that he was a part of this camp we know that he was missing for a while and so that was great because it allowed us to kind of hook our the story into something that was already, you know, set as precedent. So when I heard that, I'm thinking, OK, maybe there was a missing time yeah. or maybe maybe he was implanted with some kind of, you know, device for spying or or maybe he was coerced or hypnotized or whatever you want to say to to. To be an inadvertent spy, right? And I thought the idea of it being an inadvertent one was also clever because it's like you don't even know, right? You they called it something like uh, he said. You ever heard of engrammatic disassociation? Yeah, of course uh, I've heard of that. My word,
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> right? And and so he says uh, something about compartmentalizing information um, and being able to be contradictory victory because of that ability and um even you know believing you're you're actually telling the truth when you you know you are you're not but you actually believe you are so they mentioned that kind of uh disorder which i I wanted to look up to see if that is actually something
0: i know when you were just saying that i was like boy this episode is a conspiracy theorist delight (laughs) yeah (laughs) they're like see i told you they do that and that's why this guy got shot and that's how this happened but yeah. but going back to when you were saying when they were referencing previous episodes, I also think that's why it was important for them to have, uh, what are their names? David Weddle and Bradley Thompson. You can't have, you know, just like a, a writer of the week handle this episode because whoever writes this has to have a very strong knowledge of all the previous episodes to Needle and thread in these past episodes into this one because what that does is it's verification for us. If they just kind of start saying all this stuff, oh, Bashir's a spy, we're going to be kind of like, what? That doesn't make any sense. But if they start giving, citing specific episodes and specific things that we remember, that's confirmation for us. That's like, you know, that's like if a psychic goes to you and says, you know, you're going to be rich tomorrow. You're not going to believe him or her. But if they say, "This is the day you were born. When you were seven years old, this happened. When you were 15 years old, this happened." It's like confirms it. Then you're going to believe what they're going to where they're going to take you. And that's what this writing does is it it gives you this verification. And then from there, it can take you almost wherever it wants to go. And you you kind of have to come along with it. Right. But the answer to so that- your question is like you've looked it up
1: i'm looking at it and i I it looks like it's just a star trek terminology (laughs) i don't think it actually exists ah star trek got us again yeah they got us with this one they they added the engrammatic um disassociation is is a real thing yeah um but uh engrammatic dissociation is is not (laughs) But it's great because it really sold me on. I was like, oh, this is interesting. So he might have this this condition in which he's able to, you know. uh, So it's kind of, they sold me on that. Um, And talk about, sorry, but but
0: talk about the long con. If the Dominion is like, okay, we're going to capture this guy. We're going to replace him with the Changeling. Then Mm that we're going to let him escape five weeks later have him program have them find him and have the federation find him rescue him and have the changeling get away or get killed or whatever it was and then we've implanted him i'm like geez you guys really put a lot of if you know if that really was the dominion plan Mm -hmm. that is that is detailed
1: yeah it is detailed um it would be, but it it did it didn't seem too far out of the realm of believability for me
4: mm-hmm.
1: um because of those little planted you know planting the my memory in a space in which I do recall that he was in this you know internment camp uh and captivity, but I also thought it seemed like Bashir was being um <sighs> You know when he came to the conclusion, and he said, "Yeah, we talked to Martok, and he said you were gone for seven days." He's like, "I'm sure it was only five days," you know. <laughs> uh, so that it created an it created just enough doubt for me, right? Mm-hmm. Just enough for me to say, "Okay, well, well where were you? You know, is there a, is there a two day missing um, in the timetable, and were you in during those two days? Probably not to your knowledge, but being Um, you know, coerced into um being a spy for the Dominion.
0: Yeah, and I wonder where that goes. Like if he were to be missing two days. Because my my other thought on this was he's got this genetically enhanced brain. Where are they gonna fit all this extra compartmentalized stuff? Like it's his brain's already a mishmash of all these other things. I don't know. The whole thing yeah. was, seemed far-fetched, but then at the same time they did their due diligence to plant the seeds of doubt in our minds for the first time we're watching it. You think, okay, well, I guess maybe it is possible, you know, and, and I do want to point out uh, Sittig, uh Alexander Sidig's acting in this because I loved when he would choose, he would make his choices to go big. And you remind me of one was when he said like, when they were saying something about five to seven days, he says, no, I don't remember it because it didn't happen. And he got like, oh, yeah. like <laughs> he came right And I loved, and he yeah. did that two or three times in the episode where he just, he went from a, a two to an eight. You know what I mean? Like he would just kind of just, turn it on them and as usual I remember thinking like I wonder if that was you know direction from Mr. Dorn um or if that was his choice I think that was probably you know an actor's choice um and yeah, I, do... I
1: think that's his choice yeah he, he yeah. has a certain way of uh delivering things like that I think I've seen that um kind of style in his performance for now as we've been watching in. Um. Then the the thing when he ordered the food and the and the room service came to the door, he was like, "My, I'm famished." And, was like, <laughs> and he was said, just "Cheers like, ah, to the guy." He's like, "Cheers." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was just, i so he has his own style of delivery, which is something that all of us do. It essentially, right? That's mm-hmm. when we get to know the characters, get familiar with them. Those are the things we kind of. Um, the quirks and, that we're looking for that give us that comfort about the character, but yeah, he has a he has a way of delivering lines. The other line I thought was was good um, when he was being interrogated, and he says um, he says, "Were you alone? You were in solitary for seven days. <laughs> oh was yeah, like, that was were great. You, were you alone?" <laughs> he's like, "Was I alone in solitary?" Let me think. <laughs> it was like... I'm
0: gonna correct you there. He said, "Solitary." Oh, solitary. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. yeah. Solid tree. solitary. Solitary. Uh, yeah, yeah. His delivery there was was perfect. It was it was smug. It was sarcastic, um, but he wasn't over the top because that's one of those lines that, as an actor, you can read that line and be like, "Oh, that's a funny line." That's a good, funny line. I like it. Mm -hmm. And your instinct a lot of times is to really hit that line hard to make sure that the audience hears it and laughs. You know what I mean? Like, it's a funny line, so you want to really milk it. And he didn't do that, which is good because the fan, you know, the the viewers, we get it, we hear it. You keep it subtle and it's funnier that way than if he goes like, hmm, let me think, boy, oh, well. Was it was I in alone? And so, you know, whatever it is. Like, <laughs> I like the way he kept it subtle, but he still kept it dripping with sarcasm the way Julian Bashir can do. Uh, I thought, mm-hmm. yeah, that was
1: very well delivered. Absolutely. Um, the, it was it was like you said, he didn't choose to go into the over the top in that exact moment. He actually went lower. Yep and kind of just went baseline. And I, I appreciated that choice in that moment. I thought it was the right choice and it it just resonated more because like <laughs> you're supposed to be the genius over here. You can't figure out if I was alone in solitary. And by the way,
0: <laughs> as usual, how, how happy were you when you're watching an episode, you know, 20, 30, 35 minutes in, and then, oh, there's Wei Yun. Well, <clears throat> let me go ahead and lean forward in yeah. my seat and see where this takes us suddenly this thing take goes in a whole new direction uh so it's definitely cool to see way you yeah
1: and, and and before we get into Wei because i think that's a whole like another section and topic of discussion yeah the I w- yeah <laughs> i would say that i The other thing they wanted to to add that brought credibility, because we mentioned the fact that we know that uh, Bashir and uh, Martok were replaced by changelings and and imprisoned. Um, But we also were given the reference of the episode where Bashir helps to genetically modify individuals, right? And and he he gets them to have access to Starfleet uh, data so that they could Uh, predict the probability of the war against the dominion and that was when Bashir kind of confronts Cisco and tells him you have to surrender and I thought that was another good callback yeah that was another good callback which once again added this extra layer of validity to the claims that were being made in in my opinion yeah and the other
0: one they did I believe was uh, when he helped the Jem'Hadar or tried to help the Jem'Hadar on that planet break their addiction. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so all these are like verification. Now that one is very understood and excusable. He's a doctor, he's helping people. That's, that's nothing. But yeah, the one that you mentioned where they, they say, oh, and you gave that information to the dominion, it makes us think back and say, actually, that was their plan. They were planning on doing that, but then they were mm-hmm. stopped. And then it makes you think, well, may, you know, that, that totally works. Not only did they reference that episode that we know, they also said mm-hmm. something about it where you're like, well, they certainly could have. That was their plan. They were planning on doing it. Maybe he just was like, okay, yeah, yeah, I won't do it. You guys go right it. go, go along. I'll be, I'll be right there in a second. And then he just types in his little thing and meets up with them later.
1: Yeah, and I think another thing that I would have added, because I was expecting to hear this and it didn't come, but I would have added something uh, from the writer's perspective to to layer that story just a little bit more and raise the stakes, and that would be that one of those genetically modified people that he was in, uh, you know, teaching yeah. and 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 engaged with, if one of them somehow was caught doing something later on that we didn't know about it he references you know that guy that you worked with the guy you know the guy who's trying to kill everybody yeah. well he ended up going to the dominion and giving them classified information that you gave him access to da, 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 da. and so that would that would add for me like oh wow so maybe he you know maybe they were working together you know just just to add a little bit more of uh
0: intensity to that Well, and we all know who it would have been? It wouldn't have been the sinister guy. It would have been the right. party hat guy. It would have been party. The guy He would be like, "Oh, okay. I'm just gonna go get some more punch." And you'd be like, "Dude, I'm typing into my friends right now. Here we go. This is gonna be fun. We are saving lives. Let's celebrate!"
1: Yeah, exactly. And yeah, what was dummy, that guy's name? Dummy or something? I don't remember. No, no, but it was. That would be that would be another just layer of like, oh, that guy did this. and you know, now I'm going to be like a, viewed as an accomplice because I gave him access to certain information. That was another kind of where I was going in my mind when they brought that up. Uh, but it was great because the line that um, what was the cat the the, the uh, internal affairs character name Sloan. Well, isn't that like such an 80s like uh, a tv show or like um sledgehammer or,
0: uh... <laughs> i remember sledgehammer, yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: You remember, sledgehammer you remember there was,
0: back in the day there was like sledgehammer remington
1: steel like those guys. yeah uh, max hedrum you yeah. know um just what just like it seems like a, a name from that era of uh, television making but
0: hey um, uh, we, sorry we have to take a really quick break but yeah. for everybody at home while we're on our break Siroc just brought a nice piece of trivia up Max Headroom yeah. how is Max Headroom connected with Star Trek a lot of you might yeah. know it a lot of you might not but Max Headroom is very powerfully connected with Star Trek and we'll give you that answer if we remember
5: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Revoid. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions.
0: 18 plus. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to the seventh rule. We just had a nice chuckle because Surat kind of called me out. I'm like, I don't really know the answer to that. But I do. I'm pretty sure I do. But first, we have the trivioids. Here they come in no particular order. Actually, chronological order. Uh, Bashir is presenting a paper at a medical conference. Chief O'Brien promised Julian Bashir he wouldn't go kayaking again until he gave his shoulder enough time to heal. There's a security Mm -hmm. breach aboard Deep Space Nine. Bashir's breakfast is hot buttered scones, some jam, and some red leaf tea. But Bashir accidentally gets Worf's breakfast Gah. Humans are better suited to handle incarceration than Klingons. And what the heck is section 31? There weren't a ton of trivioids this time because this was more like, you know, no, no B story, no extra frills. It was just like one storyline. And just to answer that bit of trivia, the actor that plays Max Hedrum, I don't know his name, but everybody, you can look it up on IMDb. The actor that plays Max Headroom was also uh, in one episode of Deep Space Nine. Again, I, you can look it up, but it's the episode where the guy is coming from the future to quote, observe the, uh, people, the people in the Enterprise because it's some historical thing. But really, he's not an observer. He's from a different future time uh, in his time ship where he's actually stealing stuff and selling them as artifacts. So everybody remembers that episode and they're all yelling what the episode was called. I don't know. And I don't remember the <laughs> actor's name, but that's the same actor. Uh, and a lot of people already know that. Anyway, what were you saying? Yeah. Um, I hope you didn't forget I, after all that extra shit I threw no, at you. <laughs> no, no,
2: no.
1: I, I, a little bit, yes. But I, I, was, I was saying about, I was talking about the name Sloan, but I was saying yeah. something about um first of all i thought he he, he was uh, a good at, at what he did i thought his performance was great his, the actor's name is william sadler and i mm-hmm. had to go look him up because i felt like i had seen him on things before and some of the things that i've seen him on were um die hard Two and
2: oh right yeah those right
1: things. right yeah he's been in a few things that we've you know we've all seen um And he has that kind of uh, that that great look on him with where he could play this almost villain type of, you know, chisel to his jaw. And he kind of has that villain look. Um, So I thought it was great um, because you weren't sure if he was good or bad. But um, we were going to talk about... um, Wei Yun. and I thought that Wei Yun also, you know, well, as soon as you talk, see Jeff Gomes, you're like, oh yeah, this is going to be, you know, another moment where you get to see him delightfully torment somebody, and he does that in this one, and I thought, again, credit to the writers, uh, Bradley Thompson and David Weddle for writing this in a way that I thought was believable, um, When Wei Yun comes in and he says, yeah, you know, we go through this all the time and it's, it's so difficult because you always resist and, you know, it was so well written, I thought, because that was believable. And then when he mentions, for example, you know, the scones, your favorite thing, you Mm -hmm. know, and it like, like that was a key word or a trigger word for their, you know, deprogramming him for him to come out of whatever stupor they have him in I thought oh that's clever here goes he's using the trigger word he's using something to confirm that he knows intimately things about his you know choice making and you know something that you wouldn't know necessarily if you just um, met somebody you wouldn't know what their favorite thing to eat breakfast is Mm -hmm. so I thought another way that the writers validated the idea that they were trying to sell which is no, this guy's really a spy that's been coerced by Wei Yun and the Jemadar and, and, you know, he's working for them. They sold me all the way up until there. I was like, oh, nice. like I was starting to question. I'm still questioning it, right? So you mentioned earlier, you know, at what point did you start to question? I was I was believing up until, up until the moment when he says, you know, when he sees O'Brien and he's like, what mm-hmm. happened to your shoulder? uh so i i yeah i i I, it clicked for me when it clicked for him that's so we both clicked at the same time that's when i knew what i was seeing wasn't really what i was seeing yeah
0: and that's perfect writing they want they want you to come along for the ride but then something triggers a thought and then you start backtracking in your mind you start going wait a minute that's right. They did this and that, and that was weird. And maybe you know, maybe the reason all this stuff was weird is because it wasn't real. No wonder. Right. Uh, my favorite right. line that Wei Yun said was, um, "He said, I can see this is going to be one of our more difficult sessions." <laughs> As if, oh, we've done this a bunch of times. Oh boy, this is going to yeah. be when you're feeling feisty. Um, but the line that I really liked that was just preceding. Uh, the moment where O'Brien kind of reveals that this is all a ruse is when everybody's just turning on Bashir, and and everybody's being so rude to Bashir, like you know, Dax is like, Don't even touch me, or or, or O'Brien says, Don't touch. There's just all this stuff. Everybody's being like like out of character, right? But the funniest line, yeah. I don't know why, was when Wharf goes, uh, he says you have run out of excuses, doctor. I'm like, damn, calm down, Warf. Warp's <laughs> like all like fussy and like butthurt about it. Like, anyway, that, that was funny because once he realizes that it's not real and then you look back at these lines, you're like, oh yeah, why were they
1: acting so ridiculous? <laughs> Normally they,
0: they wouldn't be all like yeah.
1: hurt about it yeah that was my that was one of my favorite moments when warf says that i'm like <laughs> dude uh chill out what are Have you so produce bro about? damn <laughs> yeah so there was a clue i mean even cisco was like like you know get out of my sight something it was just like it was just so abrasive and i'm like wait a minute didn't you guys just save his life like <laughs> yeah you know so there was there, that's when I started the you know the cracks in the in the story started to reveal itself to me and I started mm-hmm. to say, oh yeah maybe maybe this is something else than what what I'm perceiving it as and so yeah I, I was along for the ride um, there were a, a few moments where the choices that I thought Bashir made were a little bit uh, not the right choice in my opinion um, because it was sometimes it seemed like. You mentioned how sometimes he'll um, elevate his his voice, right, and and deliver this yes, these lines. Yeah. But there was one there, there was one where I felt it was a little bit too flippant, and it didn't give it didn't give me the kind of uh, importance of how you know what he was facing, right? Like I didn't feel like he was on the verge of facing like you know court martial or arrest or it just there wasn't enough there based on this response where, you know, uh, Sloan comes in and he's like, yeah, I'm going to take you. You're, you're, you know, you're under arrest or, or something like that. I'm going to take you in. And I have orders, uh, you know, uh, we're taking you to Starbase 53. I think that was the moment. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he says, we're taking you to Starbase.' And Bashir, very, you have no right to do this Sloan. <laughs> and it was so, it was, it was just like too much of a throwaway in my opinion. I thought he, I thought he could have went lower on that one cause it was just, it felt like a little flippant and- um, Interesting. Yeah, so there, was, there, were, there were moments where I didn't like um, some of the choices. For the most part, I, I liked most of all the choices he made. That one moment I was like, mm, oh yeah, Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's true. Cause like sometimes
0: on an episode like this you really just have to make choices. Because it's not, it's not 100% obvious where the highs and where the lows, I mean, you know that there's mm-hmm. mounting stress, but the entire, basically the entire episode is mounting stress. So where do you do the highs? Where do you do the lows? And yeah, you right. know, that's sometimes, you know, sometimes you, you do something that people like, sometimes other people go, ah, I would have done it lower here or there you know and that and that makes sense and again I'll also always wonder what if uh you know Sid practiced it one way and then Dorn goes give just give me one where you do it like this and Sid goes but that's not how i practice it oh just just give me the one <laughs> right and then he ta- and then he uses that one take and then forever yeah. sits watching that going i wanted to do it my way you know we never know but these are the kind of things that i know. I always yeah. wonder like what was that because you know you're going to do it a bunch of different ways and a bunch of different times and all you can do is hope that they pick the one that you liked best but sometimes a director is just going to be like well this is the one i'm going with and and other times they're going to pick something that you didn't think was best. But then when you watch it, you go, oh, shit, they're right. Uh, that's it's better that way. It works, you know. So I'm always curious yeah. about this kind of stuff. And we get to find out sometimes. But most of the time, their answer is, um, I don't remember. That was 25 years ago, man.
1: <laughs> Why do you care? Yeah. You, you want me to remember which of the three cakes? Yeah. You know, I did on that one day were the ones that they used and, you know, which one they threw away. Uh, so yeah, it's almost impossible. I, uh, it just, and, and, you know, I guess I didn't like it at the time because I didn't know what the outcome was going to be. Mm-hmm. Right. So after, at the end, it didn't, it didn't matter as much as at the time, because at the end, then I realized, okay, so now he's playing, he has this whole, as the actor has the whole script in his head and he's trying to, to pace which at what point to re- to reveal at what point, you know, mm-hmm. and so, um, in this case where it's like a twist on a twist on a twist, it's hard to keep track of, you know, which, which of the places yeah. to reveal and, you know, which ones are exposing the actual story. So, or maybe,
0: maybe in the script, there's just an exclamation point on that line. So he's like, well, I guess right. I got to yell it.
1: <laughs> right. Right. Um, But, you know, um, I think there was also some other interesting, um, kind of philosophical things that they were bringing up in this, uh, episode as well. I can't hear you. I can't hear you. you Sorry. I muted myself to clear my
0: throat. Very (laughs) professional move with an unprofessional, uh, result. So, uh, (laughs) I was just going to bring that up. What you were saying is the philosophical, uh, things and, uh, and I was want to hear what you have to say. I want to see if it's the same thing.
1: Uh, yeah. So essentially, um, the big thing I think the, the the big takeaway of the story was the once Bashir realizes what he's dealing with, once he knows that it's Section Thirty-One, and that's that comes to kind of a, in the discussion, he starts to question the 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 existence of this organization, the functions of it, and the legitimacy of their, of their practices or their, uh, you know, protocol. And I think that's where the, you know, the idea, the discussion philosophically of, of is this right or wrong or, um, because we know these kinds of things exist in, in our own, um, governments are in, in the right. world in general, of course. there, there are these, you know, black op, you know, nobody knows what's going on type of uh, organizations that kind of um, operate with, with this kind of impunity. So um, I think that that discussion is something that was brought up um, by Bashir questioning them. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that that was something that ultimately we it was good that the writers introduced that concept as well. They were like, not saying that it was right per se, but they were saying it was necessary. Right, which leads into exactly
0: the what I was going to say, which is the, that, that main theme in a nutshell is the ends justify the means, right? And mm-hmm. when they, and I believe they even said that exact thing, you know, the ends justify the means. And that's one of those things that I feel like is one of those themes that just keeps coming back in people's lives. And we revisit it and revisit it. And I don't know if anybody's ever come to a concrete solution or or decision on that. Do the ends justify the means? Like if they say, hey, if you grab a gun and shoot this guy in the head, you will save 10 lives. So well, if the ends justify the means then you've just saved 9 lives basically you've prevented 9 deaths um <laughs> but you just killed an innocent person and you made yourself a murderer and you played god in a way you know so there's just like these weird you know philosophical stories where there's one about like if you're on a train track and it's headed to kill roll over two people will you turn the wheel and kill the one person instead of the two or stuff like that, you know. And everybody, I think, has a pretty strong opinion. And I feel like the the obvious answer is to say, well, yes. Yes. You know, or or if you lie, you know, in this case, you do something, you know, hidden and covert and you lie to people and you manipulate people and you do horrible things because you believe in the big picture. At the end of the day, the the, the world the galaxy the universe overall will be better for it so does the ends justify the
1: means i still don't know yeah i don't think there's a clear answer on that we talk about the greater good and, and those mm. things you know um sometimes are left to probability sometimes left to um the eye of the beholder like you know i think you're the bad guy and you think i'm the bad guy so it's like um so there's it, it, it's a lot of gray area in there and the, the thing that jumped out to me was when he said um we don't sub, you know because bashir says does starfleet know about this or something to that effect right and he says we don't submit reports you know <laughs> yeah, or ask it. yeah or ask approval for specific operations. We are autonomous. Mm -hmm. And I guess what bothers somebody about that idea is that some autonomy, something that exists outside of a checks and balance system that we design where everybody's accountable, right? Mm
3: -hmm. So it's
1: like we have a check and balance system usually in, you know, at least in this country where you know, you have this branch and that branch and this branch and there's, of course there's recourse. It's like, well, I can sue you or I can appeal and I yeah. can go to this court and go to the higher court. Everybody's you know, keeping we can... each
0: other in check. Yeah.
1: Right. Right. And if there's a autonomous group that has no check and balance to it, where there's no buddy that can say, Hey, you're doing something wrong or you're going to be punished for that or, We'll take you to court and we're going to fight this out. Like there's no actual check on it, then it becomes, uh, it could become potentially a problem if you don't have, for example, an alignment of the same kind of ideals that uh, Sloan is looking for in Bashir. So you would have to have a person that is literally, you know, infallible or well-tested and proven to not, um, you know, be corrupted by power or corrupted by their own motives, motivations, financial gain, whatever. Um, it would become a real selfless person, which we see Bashir has passed all those tests and he has a loyalty to Starfleet. We see that um, and you would need that kind of loyalty, but you can also see how that kind of a power could be abused. Right. Right. And we do
0: actually, to my knowledge, only have one example of this autonomous group um, in the country or the world that does not, you know, abide by any rules and does not do reports to anybody. And that group is CBS. <laughs> Just kidding. I have no idea what that means. <laughs> no, but. That was a big buildup for a, not much.
1: Yeah, I thought it was going to be bigger than that. No. um, <laughs> I can say though, but I thought uh, the line was great that Sloane gave, which is like one of those head scratcher kind of lines, which is the riddle or the philosophical question to be you know mm-hmm. pondered upon, and that is, you know, we violate principles in order to protect them, and say, like,
0: hmm. <laughs> I bet you there are a lot of people in the world like in law enforcement in government in the military that believe that sentiment you know and when we hear it said out loud it sounds pretty suspect (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) violate the principles to uphold the principles or protect them okay i get it that's ends justify the means right but then at the same time Like I said, then then you're playing God, you're judge, jury, and executioner that they mentioned. It's like, and and that's why they say about law enforcement, they say no, you uh, you enforce the law. You are not above it. And what these guys are saying is they're kind of above the law because they choose when the law should be broken in order to protect it or whatever. You know, it's this weird, yeah. This weird, you know, uh, semantic game that they're trying to play, but when you say it out loud, it sure sounds pretty bad. It doesn't sound, you know, honorable.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's 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 almost it's a paradox. You know, we have to kill we have to kill people in order to save lives. Yeah, like uh, okay, <laughs> uh, so it's like okay, uh, how many people and how many lives, and then you start to get into <laughs> like yeah. <laughs> and then who, yeah, are you you to to decide, who are you to
0: decide who are you to decide who lives and who dies
1: well this is an old uh, theme in the world and not just to governments and organizations but it just in general mm-hmm. mankind has this innate urge to kind of play god and want to be god like and this is just another example of that kind of uh, this is an organized version of it but it's still the same kind of uh, affliction that mankind has always had. And by the way, we only have
0: a couple minutes left, but I just realized this should also be mentioned. This is the first episode that created the group called section 31, which will now have an entire star Trek series based on it. So that makes this episode pretty monumental in the grand scheme of things because there aren't very many episodes in Star Trek that plant a seed that 25 years later will turn into an entire series. So that's pretty cool. That's pretty big. And it would be interesting to know who came up with that idea, where, where that exact idea came from.
1: My guess is uh, Bradley Thompson and David Weddle. That's my guess. Oh, really? Um, I mean, that's my guess. And I'd be actually interested to know if they, because we, we we talked to a few of the writers about being compensated for stories later on. Yeah, and I wonder if this would fall under that umbrella. If you know, if you revive Section Thirty-One, is that something that I get kind of not me, but the writers or creator of it? Do they get some
0: Ooh, residual
1: nice. uh, compensation
0: for that? Ooh, doggy. That's that could be a lot of money forever. <laughs> could be.
1: Could be. But you know, and the other thing is the the other thing. I don't know how much time we have, but is my teddy bear there? It is. That's oh my, my God,
0: that is perfect! Wow. <laughs> and, the, and the other thing is, here's my teddy bear.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah,
0: because I like the tie. Teddy
2: bear.
1: This,
0: yeah, I love the uh, teddy bear. Uh oh, here it comes, ladies and gentlemen. You know what time it is, damn it. It's time for the nitpick. Mr. Wharf. If somebody comes on your station saying that he is with internal affairs and demands that everybody gets locked in their quarters and nobody can talk with each other and they change everything, you ask for an ID. At least ask for it, right? <laughs> yeah, I think so.
1: <laughs> yeah, I thought that was strange, too. At the end, they're like, there is no existence of a, uh, you know, a, a Sloan in internal affairs or something like that. There's no, I'm like, well, why didn't you answer to him? <laughs> you know? uh, yeah, okay. I mean, first thing I would do is say, uh, can I see the paperwork or something? You know, does this come from the top?
0: Also, before we go to our free-for-all, Jake Sisko guesses the
1: IMDb score. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this was about a seven flat. Seven, seven straight points. up. A flat straight, straight up. up.
0: Seven up. All right. So you're going to find out on the other side on the free-for-all, but before we go to the free-for-all, here they come, fast and furious. Very special thanks to oh, wow. Carmen, aka. Say it with me, skillet, skillet. TJ Jackson Bay out in Missouri. Bill Victor May Arukin,
1: Arukin.
0: Yvette Blackman, Homer Freezy out somewhere in New Yeezy. Who, by the way, uh. Told me that somebody thought his last name actually was Freezy. It's it's Frizzell. Eve England <laughs> out in Wales, Dr. Anne Marie Siegel, Titus Muller, Timothy Baum, Darlena Marie, John Mann, Rex A Wood, Dr. muhammad nor Tierney C. Deakin, Joe balserati Michelle Melendez, Marcia. Classic oh. Schreier, and a post. Sorry, Anna Post. We learned Anna Post. Anna, yes, yes. Jenna Appleton, Perfect Strangers. Larry Appleton, wasn't that a character? Larry, App- Larry Appleton. <laughs> Bariki Jenna Appleton <laughs> and uh, Doctor Frank Sobojenski. And a very special thanks, especially to Doctor Susan V. Gruner. Thank you all very much for playing with us. Stick around for the free-for-all and we'll be right back on The Seventh Rule.
5: It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper?
1: I'm your host, Sirak uh, And I'm joined here by a very special tyranny beekman, the poor queen. <laughs> we also have Dr. Mohammed Noor, TJ Jackson Bay. We have Dr. Anne-Marie Siegel. <laughs> she giggles.
5: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Dr. Bruner. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we have the uh, villainous Goldus Scott in the house. Uh, Mr. Homer Frizzell, representing the section 31. Well said. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. The beautiful and lovely Melissa Longo. Hi. <laughs> and of course, we have Eve England out in Wales. Stormy Wales. Out in a stormy Wales today, I guess.
6: Hmm.
1: And of course, we have Mr. Ryan T. Husk. <laughs>
0: he said my name (laughs) yes I did all right that was awesome a plus of course as expected uh I think we have a lot to talk about today we didn't even really get a chance to talk we got so much into everything in this episode we didn't end up really talking too much about William Sadler we mentioned him by the way Mm. very quickly I mentioned that um, Siroc mentioned Max Headroom, and I said that the actor that plays Max Headroom was in that Next Generation episode, episode, but I couldn't remember what the episode was called or what his name was. I looked him up. The actor's name is whatever it is. The character is Berlinghoff Rasmussen. Rasmussen. Uh, And it's Fruer. And the episode is A Matter of Time, and the actor's name. Apparently, Matt is Matt Pruer. Frewer, Yeah.
7: Who's Great amazing in Orphan Black, also. I love
0: Orphan is the new black. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Rasputin. the other thing is, the other thing is, Surratt guessed this episode to be a seven flat. Does anybody oh. have any other guesses that doesn't already know what it is on IMDb? I
3: don't know. I think it's much
7: higher. Oh, no, I did not ten it. Uh, you didn't. Isn't Isn't it? Really? Eight,
3: oh, so, okay. yeah. which
7: yeah. probably means I said a default nine.
4: <laughs> I'm gonna go with
2: 7.1.
3: No, I was feeling oh, I, I'm gonna go seven eight. I think it has to be it. There,
8: it was kind of a little weird. I, I'm gonna say seven six.
9: Mm-hmm.
7: Wait, Siroc said seven five.
0: Seven. Zero.
7: seven zero. Wow, you seven can zero. Zero. a dollar.
1: <laughs> yeah. A lot of money. It's because TJ bought money. me into my bid with a seven point yep. one. Yeah. Thanks, TJ.
2: Gamer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so the answer uh, is hmm. eight point three.
4: Wow. Right.
7: What? That's, a, that's I mean, impressive. I that. That's
4: shocking. I think <laughs> super Anne Marie, you actually brought it down.
7: I actually didn't. I usually <laughs> don't vote if I don't give it a 10. I don't want to bring it down because I love Deep Space Nine so much. But um,
4: by, by not voting, you brought it down. Yeah. Well, you no, know,
7: that's true. Also, now it's that a makes, I mean, there is a, a spinoff directly related to the show in progress.
3: It's one of the most we important Star Trek shows thing. episodes ever. Mm-hmm.
7: And do you know right. that they were thinking of Martin Sheen first? Yeah. Or Sloan? That's crazy to me. <laughs> nice trivia. Mm-hmm. Oh,
0: like I mean, nitpick, but I love like this
7: with...
0: oh, oh, nitpick. Here it comes. Yeah. Put on your, uh, put on your nitpick sun hat, uh, Sue. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
7: my sun hat's out of reach. i I usually don't like to
8: pick on the the science part of it really i know we do but it's science fiction so i don't like to pick on that too much but in the very beginning uh not the very beginning but really close to the beginning they had those people running down the hall with the rifles
6: what was that all about diversion manipulation didn't
0: say yeah
8: I think it wasn't We never found out
6: what happened. Those guys,
8: you know, stand aside. Bashir was on his way to go mm-hmm. talk talk to the guy, and he had to stand to the side. And I thought, okay, well, what happened? They never addressed where yeah. where were they going? Well, that was part of it was the
4: simulation, like, wasn't? Yeah. That was part of the deception to kind of ramp up the yeah. the urgency Maybe. and make them feel nervous. Like, what's going on? I don't know. You know, something's going on on the station. Was, I don't know what it is. They think I'm yeah. a spy. Mm.
10: Theatrics for Bashir's benefit so that it gets yeah. him in that frame of mind.
0: Is frame of mind the episode on Next Generation that was kind of similar to this, actually? That's what that's, I was trying to remember. That's the Riker that's, yeah. one. Perfect. perfect
4: uh, I love that episode.
7: Right. Me too. <laughs>
4: Ryan, All right. Ryan. Not Ryan Not Ryan so much. that
2: much.
7: <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember.
0: I haven't seen it in 30 years, but I remember thinking like, eh.
4: well, I really like it. Well. See, I felt that way too. And I watched it again recently and understood it a lot better and was able to appreciate it a lot more.
7: That's, well, that's when that's he was nominated for
10: the Lappies. That was right. when he was Very in nice. that, um, the play slash prison yeah. type mm-hmm. thing.
7: Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, Melissa, right.
0: since you said the golden phrase of the week frame of mind, what did you think of this episode? I
7: want a Pee-wee Herman like ah. <laughs> 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 um
10: I think it's an interesting episode. Uh it's very subdued. Um but it, it's an interesting episode, and it, it, it brings in a, a different uh, element to the Federation. And, and it makes them, it, it reveals them to be not as squeaky clean as they appear to be. So I, I like that element of it. And, um, uh, and I like the intrigue of it. Talk about gaslighting. Yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, it, it, was, it was interesting, the, the actors are good and, and um, uh, there was more to say and now I, I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was interesting and, and I like um, the way that they showed Bashir's uh, powers of deduction you know, like the way he, he tries to figure out and, and finally he knows his friends so well because the relationship has been built up so well that um, he knows when O'Brien is not O'Brien, so.
0: When Wharf goes, you have run out of excuses, doctor. He's like, that's not <laughs> Mr. Oh, Wharf," <Wolf.">
7: <laughs> But it sounded <laughs> just like him. <laughs> i love your today's nine show
0: you should hear sarah's <laughs> wharf it's pretty badass it's, it's, no it is not it's, no
7: sarah oh so, no, did the wharf impression on center seat on history yep. channel it was yes. like the best thing ever
0: yeah <laughs> it's canon now it's official it's, it's been totally
7: on
1: good. tv oh man uh, i did i did that huh
7: yeah it's so good
10: i was like that's our guy He <laughs> did it again recently in a, in a recent recording yeah,
1: yeah sometimes it, it, the, the wharf bug bites me he has a <laughs> yeah. very interesting delivery it's, yeah. that's, that's extremely comical sometimes because yeah. of the way he says things yeah, yeah.
10: surrounded by wharfs it was funny because <laughs> ryan did one too <laughs> <laughs>
0: That should be like an episode, just a whole bunch of wars. Like there's a Is fistful it? of data. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, Eve yeah. England out in stormy Wales. Thank you so much for staying up so late out in the British <laughs> Isles. Uh, what did you think of this episode, by the way? Yeah,
3: so I... I... Totally forgotten how much I like this episode because I, I do tend to forget episodes quite easily. Um, and I, I actually did read The Companion before I read it, uh, I watched it, which I think was actually gave me a completely different perspective and made me appreciate some of the subtleties of what they were doing in the show. Because um, for me, Section 31 is just the coolest thing that Star Trek ever did. Mm. So we have to have big wow. hats off to Ira for introducing it to us. And I just wish they'd done it sooner. Um, but better late than never. Um, What's what really interesting in the companion is they say, they talk about how there's no establishing shots in the episode, obviously to show that Bashir is, is in, so in the cool. holosuite. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't have wow. noticed that obviously had I not known that, because it's not really obvious. And you only get the final establishing shot of DS9 when Bashir gets back to the station for real. And then the only time you see the Defiant, you only see it on the little view screen in the the Dominion ship. So I thought that was just a really. So as soon as I read that, then I was kind of just, oh, what what other things? They must do other subtle things in the show. And what I what I particularly liked when I was watching, I just felt it just felt so tense to me. And there was just such an air of uncertainty and paranoia right the way through. Mm. And I think part of that, I was halfway through. I thought, you know what, I just feel like I'm watching Psycho. You know, when you have that really unsettling music in Psycho yeah. in the first part yeah. of the film and it just feels horrible because you just know something bad is going to happen, but you don't know when. And I just found that the the, the sort of themes that they were doing in the music, and I, I'd like to go back and watch it again, actually, to sort of really do that. So I don't know if anyone else noticed that, but they use a lot of strings. They use a lot of sort of repetitive notes, bass lines, then going up to very high pitched notes. And I just I just loved how the whole thing gave you that sense of paranoia like, to really reflect how Bashir is feeling, and aligned with then how the writers just perfectly brought in all those bits from the, the different episodes that we saw. So was it Hippocratic Oath and Poetry Shadow, all those things. And then you start thinking, oh yeah, well that was a bit strange. Why was Bashir acting like that? And you can see where this argument may have come from originally. And I, I think when you, when you look at it in that, through that lens, it's actually really, I think I just got so much more out of this episode, re-watching it in that context. And then how you know just mm-hmm. section thirty one is just fantastic, and I think if you couldn't have introduced them better, you know with their sort of Nazi uniforms and all of that sort of stuff, it was just yeah I really I really really like this episode, I and I I completely agree with that higher IMDb rating actually for for yeah. those reasons.
0: Homer, she just I mean, called your jacket Nazi-looking. Just FYI. Hot takes from Sue, or from uh, Eve. She mm-hmm. said, uh yeah. Cot is her favorite character ever, and Section 31 is the coolest thing in Star Trek. Yes. <laughs> she is
2: uh, a devil in disguise. this jacket from Muji.
3: So <laughs> you know. yeah. not germany it's
7: not, it's not really a okay, for a second i thought you were saying
0: moogie
2: wrong
0: <laughs> <Mugi>. <laughs> well homer freezy out somewhere in germany your thoughts on this episode
2: yeah uh yeah so first off um for surac from aaron i just want to move aside a little bit
10: Perhaps oh you can see.
2: wow! It's you oh, nice. You Wait, stay there. Unconfirmed.
10: Nice Nicely done. Wow, oh, this
2: yeah. is A plus work.
10: <laughs> that Peter is incredible <laughs>
2: work. He just drags brain. it along there. Yeah. Um He
1: literally fires I, off like fifteen torpedoes when he does yeah. that too, right?
6: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <something like> <laughs> I'm out this of this is here. the greatest thing ever.
10: <laughs>
6: um, in real life for this episode,
2: I enjoyed this episode, I think, more than most. And it's one, one of those ones where it's just the A plot, there's no B plot. Um, mm-hmm. and it, it, it was interesting meeting Sloan and having someone that's completely convinced that he's right and doing everything he can to make this person. Confess to something that they didn't do. Um, so it was a lot of fun, and uh, you know, I I do like the Section Thirty-One outfits at the end. Hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was good. I, I thought um, the William is it no Sadler. Oh, it Sadler. Sadler. Thank you, Sadler. I thought he was he was great. Uh, I know we wait. I'm not going to give away any spoilers. Um, Poor Julian didn't get to go to a conference again, but he actually did end up going somewhere. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I I just really, I enjoyed this one a lot and I agree with the IMDb rating.
0: Wow. And
2: that oh, was the coolest background. talked me into background.
7: it and I tended to... Good job, Emily. Oh, thanks.
0: That was the coolest background I think anybody's ever yeah. had. It. And it yeah. totally defeats mine. That I was so proud of mine. It is so the, the rom-com good. shot. No, that's that's so sweet. too much, right?
11: The next oh, relationship still, still definitely impressive.
0: It's a romantic it's comedy. It, it, it's it's funny
1: how four hundred years into the future, doctors' conferences are still in exotic <laughs> tropical <places. laughs> they, That doesn't change. They're still yeah. meeting in Hawaii every year. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, TJ Jackson
4: Bay out in stormy Missouri.
1: Uh, what's new
0: yeah. with you?
4: Ice stormy, maybe. Uh, a little bit got a little <laughs> bit of sleep today, but it's not bad. Um, as well, man. Uh, I enjoyed this episode. There's so many elements. Uh, I think that are familiar. But first of all, it's doing what DS9 does best, and that's showing us, you know, kind of that. <clears throat> I mean, we watched you know, to this point, the original series and the next generation and, and some Voyager. And, you know, we have this very high ideal of what the Federation is. And <laughs> I'm laughing at Homer. Um, we have this very high ideal of what the Federation is. And then we see that, okay, it's not exactly, you know, all that we thought it is. It's kind of this shady, seedy, you know, darker deal that goes on behind the scenes that everybody doesn't know about. Um, and that's what DS9 does for us. It shows us uh, that the, the, the universe, the, the galaxy of the 24th century, isn't as rosy as we thought it was. That uh, there's some other stuff going on. <clears throat> but uh, I enjoyed a lot of the scenes and a lot of the moments in this episode. I thought Sid's performance was excellent. Uh, Like Eve was mentioning, you know, the musical uh, overtures uh, usually happen when they were, you're just looking at Bashir's mind churning and turning, trying to figure out, you know, what's going on. And I thought Sid played those moments very well. And the music was a great compliment to his performance. And, uh. You know, I thought, you know, the the elements they brought in from things that we've seen before, um, we mentioned Frame of Mind, you know, where Riker's trying to figure out what's real. Uh, but there's also The Mind's Eye, where LaForge gets kidnapped on the way to a conference. Ah, uh, uh, and, are, are,
5: are
4: <laughs> don't go morning? to conferences. <laughs> don't go to conferences.
3: But, yeah, uh, you yeah. know,
4: there's also kind of a callback moment to Future Imperfect from the next generation when Riker figures out. You know what's going on and starts going off on everybody like you know data you know you can compute faster than yeah. You, know, you would have had this fixed by now so all of this isn't real mm-hmm. um <laughs> earmuffs <Soraka. laughs> <laughs> to rock spoilers
1: i'll forget that by the time we we'll yes. get there don't worry
4: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So uh, yeah, great episode. I love Sid's performance. And I also agree with the IMD rating, although I guess a
7: 7.1. change <laughs> <gasps> that right now. <laughs> yeah,
0: as a team together. Dr. Mm-hmm. Sue Gruner, did you agree with the uh, IMDb rating or were you shocked it was an
8: 8.3? No, I always think they're rated lower than they, they should be. But um, I watched it twice. Uh, a couple days apart. And uh, I enjoyed it very much. I love Sid's performance. I loved it when he was sarcastic about being in solitary confinement. And uh, I loved that at one point, the first time I watched it, I thought, yeah, the, you know, there's a good chance. It sounds like he could be really, he could be guilty. And then I thought, well, there's there's no way I know he's too, too loyal, but that you go back and forth like that, I think is great television. And uh, I, I just, I thought it was pretty good. So good that I watched it twice.
10: Mm-hmm.
8: I admit it was to figure out what the heck was going on with the guns in the first, the first <laughs> just <that> CGI pen, <laughs> Just I to I see could, what I you missed. missed. <laughs> what did I miss?
0: Wow. Well, Joel Scott, bear. you are Eve England's, you are Eve England's favorite character. By the way, when you guys watch this episode, Ciroc, uh doodled the uh, teddy bear that you just mentioned. So... Oh,
7: Kukalaka! Oh, let me see. Let's Oh,
11: Kukalaka! Yeah. Kukulaka lays uh... down. You know, somebody's been tossing the joint. Yep.
1: Yeah. 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 It I was like the clown from Poltergeist.
10: <laughs> 30
2: oh 30 my
10: God. God. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You captured his yeah. mouth. That is so cute.
2: Yeah.
1: Is so I put a no. communicator no. on him. I thought he needed a communicator.
8: Middle so of it. all time. You know Pretty what? One other guy, thing man. I want to say. Yeah. That apartment on Deep Space Nine of his is really cool. His his quarters.
11: The CMO, yeah. Oh,
3: I want that Kugelock on a T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> so so cute. <laughs>
11: Then you just uh, look
3: it when he just goes, please. So I just thought that was just such a great bit of writing for his character that because he thought the communicator, uh, sorry, the replicator wasn't working because he hadn't said please. I just thought that was so funny. <laughs> how, about, how
10: about that teddy bear? Right. On, on
0: a shirt, you have that teddy bear dressed as Q when he had like the poncho and the band, and it says, La Kuka Laka.
10: No, oh, my gosh. <laughs> that
7: was
0: an elaborate one that, that would good. be very but, funny yeah. I don't care what any of you say. So, uh, Goldie
7: Scott by yeah. the way what are yeah. your
11: thoughts on this episode I don't oh know God. anymore man is Kukalaka like
7: a legacy character in Picard
1: no
9: you I know mean, like the Kukalaka's got Gray in his beard
1: yeah,
7: yeah. <laughs> sorry Kukalaka might make
1: an appearance on Lower Decks now that we keep talking about totally.
7: I, I want to buy
11: a Kukalaka like Teddy Bear Yes. <laughs> we're all gonna get some really weird facebook ads from talking about it this much <laughs> save us save us scott <laughs> i love william Sadler. i can can't say this enough um, i don't know if anybody saw tales from the crypt demon Night that he was in it was uh i want to say it was like
7: i was totally thinking about you 80s. when i saw he was in that i was like oh he's that so good gonna be all over
11: that i love that movie. i love that movie and i loved him and he played the sheriff in the roswell tv show way back cool. Uh, Jim Valenti he had a little bit in the very beginning of this episode he had a little bit of that character in him I felt like he was I immediately trust him when he's in it. he's got something about his his face and just the, the happy smile he has the whole time I immediately trusted him which he did bring in I agree with Eve probably one of the coolest things about Star Trek ever with section 31 because I think to have a utopia, we've talked before about how uh, the original series comes out. It's like, yeah, there was a bunch of crap happened and the eugenics wars, and yeah, we were, and now we're in a utopia. And how does it get that way? You know, how does it transition from that? And I think that, personally, I feel like people that are willing to, um, to do certain things that might not fit that lofty mindset to uh, to get it there and to keep people safe, uh, could very well be what got it there. And uh, I know we've got uh, no spoilers in episode coming up. It's going to ask us that same question, mm-hmm. but um, <laughs> I love that. I love it. It brought this, this foundation for section 31 in that we're going to see more and more of. And obviously we're going to see a lot of it, you know, whenever that show ever happens, if it does ever. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And we are so, definitely going to see kukulaka in lower decks. That's going to happen. <laughs> <Where are we laughs> in <laughs> Section
11: 31 too. Who knows? Maybe he got tapped while he was in there. That was
4: the real reason he was at the station. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to
10: say, did, uh,
4: yeah. speaking of spoilers, uh, Goldie Scott, there's a, there's a line in this episode that, that I promise to uh, recall next week. Ooh, uh, Ooh. teaser.
6: I I'm know the line. That. I know exactly yep. the line.
4: <laughs> Tierney,
0: but oh. did you like this episode or did you not like it? And also, don't say the
4: line.
3: I thought about that
10: saying the hilarious.
4: line, but as soon as
6: you said that, you stopped me from saying, like, no. Um, <laughs> upon rewatch and research, especially, I think I love this episode. Um, I'm going to pull up my notes here just to make things easier and look like I'm staring off camera um uh, anyway i, I do kind of love this episode and even more so now uh not just with it being the the introduction of section 31 i mean you kind of don't think about it where that this is where it starts once you've seen through the series a number of times thank you i wrote by the way but um stemming from a potentially very different episode if you look at some of the the background trivia here that uh it could have been Bashir dealing with an orbital parking ticket situation that he goes to a planet to possibly, you know, help the whole uh, the whole planet with some disease or something. And he comes back, finds a parking ticket on his runabout that's just kind of floating in orbit and has to deal with like a planetary DMV bureaucracy situation, <laughs> you know uh akin to the trial which no offense to I think it was Michael Piller who who pitched it sounds miserable as an episode but uh upon hearing planetary DMV I think Douglas Adams who is Mm. very important Mm. and the somehow just the arbitrary connection between something like that to we get to section 31 from that becoming this huge thing dark dirty necessities of what it's what has created uh the 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 federation that we get in earth that we get now and all the the dirty deeds done dirt cheap
4: there it you is. know someone had uh, to
6: say it's, it. <laughs> it's uh It's kind of brilliant, and I I love it for all the all the little things in this episode, Mm. all the big things, Um, and given its overall story and Michael Dorn's direction, uh, drama, mystery, its entertainment, I find it very well balanced with Mm. everything that it's got. Besides, you know, a few a little low hanging fruit nitpicks. But um, you know, let's see. Trying to think of what I kind of picked out of there in here. Um, few things there, such as like you know, if you're if you're Sloan in this situation and and Section thirty one, you know, just just like the Federation making first contact, you can examine the uh, the background and uh, you know on paper. Of your potential candidates and even make covert observations till you're blue in the face or you know end up like alien ostrich hands william Riker, and uh trade sexual favors with alien bb newworth to get out of an alien hospital uh first contact keep it classy number one written by mark Uh, first contact day uh but you know eventually you're gonna have to test the resiliency of your of your candidates and i i can absolutely see section 31 pulling something like this mm-hmm. and it's it's messy i mean it's real messy that they that they do this uh they don't know what to expect with his genetic enhancements. how he's going to react to the the neural you know attachment um how he'll handle the uh the basic things that uh that they're gonna do with uh with the sleep deprivation. But I mean they they start they start simple with that sleep deprivation, hunger misdirection to see paranoia, um the the armed security running through the corridors. They gaslight the hell out of him. They tweak his quarters. They tweak faux Brian to, you know O'Brien
0: have, very good. Captain. him <laughs> O'Brien
6: Oh. You
4: know,
6: he's, he's been uh, he's been asked questions for for hours and you notice how how nice the attending officers are and then their personalities uh go from niceties to hostile you know to really hostile when they put him into the into the cells the one the one lady rips off his combat he won't be needing this anymore which just makes me think of the denise crosby a uh, tweet about rick berman you know oh yeah um,
0: that's right we remember that
6: <laughs> yeah google that one if you don't know it it's great yeah uh, recent relatively yeah and uh and then you know he get he gets back to sloan who begins to to twist his his words and antagonize and belittle him and he gets bashir to start back talking which bad move on bashir's part but i, I mean i get it he feels like uh, and I love this, this horrifying concept of extreme cognitive dissonance, this compartmentalization um, that, you know, honestly, in spite of his genetic enhancements, this could be something that they have tried before, because if, if you think of this more realistically, you can almost convince <laughs> anyone of this in the right wrong yeah. circumstances totally you know like you're a spy but you don't know it like right. I so how
0: could they even it. deny it at that point that exactly. was the big like, thing
6: I so can
5: even. we're running in, sorry in we're K-O running or really or low
0: it. on time here that's our fault for screwing mm-hmm. around too much but uh sloan's last name is actually children at play muhammad how did you feel about <laughs> this episode but sorry
9: scott <laughs>
10: Oh. <laughs> it was good. <laughs> uh, I like
9: I liked the episode. I liked the episode pretty well. I mean, the one that reminded me of the most was Second Skin, which was kind of similar in the context yeah. of Kira, as opposed yeah. to Bashir. The Ooh. one thing which and I wouldn't say this is—I'm not even calling it snippet. One thing I couldn't relate to with respect to Bashir was his sheer certainty. So I mean, we we're talking about how Sloan was certain, Bashir was absolutely certain that he or through the whole thing that he, this hadn't happened. I, I felt like if I was in his place, I'd be mm-hmm. like, "Oh my god." maybe can you scan me can you like figure it out? like i'd be looking for i'd be trying to find a solution as opposed to just trying to disprove it because you know I, maybe i'm you know i'm just less confident than he is or something like that but there were no <laughs> chinks there were no chinks yeah. in the story up until the whole YU and beam out scene like everything was consistent with the story and yet but she was like no that didn't happen like well how do you know i mean like by definition you don't know so maybe so i didn't like that as well i, I didn't say i didn't like it Good i point. couldn't relate to it because i, I would have felt different i would have been like let's scan me let's do something else you know try to unprogram me and see if it comes out i don't you know, just go pragmatist. in with the pragmatist <laughs> point of view yeah 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 or just you know some open mind especially somebody who's kind of a man of science it's like you need to be a little more open-minded though. you can't just be like no it's this like well, no that's not that's not the way to approach it um one this is a little bit of nitpick sort of like the picture behind you ryan i don't know if you guys noticed um when Sloan was in the, when Sloan was in the, um, Cisco's o- uh, office or quarters, or not quarters, but his little uh, captain's office, whatever, the two guards were staying like really close to each other, like and facing each other. I was like, are they like kissing?
7: Uh, they're close talkers. Yeah. They're close they're talkers.
9: They're crime. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, just, and and those, like, <laughs> very odd placement. They're like, they're really close
0: together. There oh, are a couple weird things really? about those guards, but uh, Anne Marie, you are anchoring our ship here what are your thoughts Could you would you have gone along with it or would you have been Here's more like muhammad
7: when you hit 30 hours of like straight working without sleep that's when like some sort of like wall comes and you start being like having to think like an hour for like how to create a sentence um so i'm like well, i just I feel came like out bashir of that, know <laughs> that. Like when you hit 30 hours something crazy happens in your brain so i'm like i feel like bashir would be familiar with those work hours and be like uh Yeah, I should be, like, questioning things a little more. And then also, um, the establishing shot thing is so good. And obviously, like, it used to be, like, a thing with commercials. So when I watch this episode, like, it stresses me out so much when I'm, like, man, it would be so hard to know with my VCR, like, when to turn the video back on. Um, Because, like, that fitting, like, episodes of Star Trek onto one tape was always such a stressor. Um, And then... Also like Odo's point at the end where he's like why are you guys all shocked there's a section 31 everybody else has it. When he oh, says that I'm like yeah. oh you yeah, have great point. <laughs> why did, mighty, why did I never think that? <laughs> and then I also have to say I freaking love when Google lock appears because when I started working in the hospital especially in like you see like such life or death things it's so nice to see a teddy bear and like sure makes me feel so good. When that started, I had to bring my cuddly bear to come live with me. (laughs) When Bashir talked about him, I'm like, see, it's not crazy, it's just pretty. Oh, yeah, cuddly bears like my age. We're we're BFFs. (laughs) Two
0: bears. Wow, what a deal. Two bears. Well, everybody, we're going to have to end it there. If you have your bears, send us pictures. We want to see them, kind of. Oh, man. Who's Uh, your (laughs)
10: kookalaka?
0: that's that's it yeah let us know uh thanks very much for joining us everybody you know who you are we gotta run until next time you know give this episode a 10 if you want and always remember the seventh rule
8: with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere